The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Game On! Business Talk Radio with your host, Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Our program is not afraid to discuss the more controversial business ideas and topics. Get ready for an unfiltered discussion of problems and solutions that today's businesses, large or small, face daily. Now, here is Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Hi, this is Game On! Business Talk with D. Anthony Miles, and we have an awesome show for you today. Get some coffee and have a seat. You're going to need a bobble and a seat belt. Our show for today is our interview with uh, Shari Harley, author of How to Say Anything to Anyone, A Guide to Building Business Relationships That Really Work. And I've been really excited about this show all week. Um, I'm just happy to have uh, Ms. Harley here today. Let me give you a, a brief background on her, a back, on her uh, bio. Sherry Harley is author of How to Say Anything to Anyone, A Guide to Building Business Relationships That Really Work. She is founder and president of Candid Culture an international training and consulting firm that focuses on bringing candor back to the workplace. She has extensive experience. She's trained uh, different organizations around the country. Some of her clients have been IBM, DirecTV, Stars Entertainment, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Noodles and Company, and the University of Colorado. Her education background is she has an MA in Communication and Training and Organization Development from University of Denver, and a BA in psychology from Washington University. I want to welcome my guest today, Shari Harley. How are you doing today, Shari? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I um I I didn't know where to start with your book and I just wanted to say where have you been all of my life? I could have used this book earlier in my <laughs> career. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my goodness. You have you have such a, a bible of information in your book and uh, and when we get off the show today, I'm actually going to go to Amazon and buy your book. I mean, I I was I felt like I was reading my bio while I was going through your book. And I want to ask you, uh, first question is, uh, what motivated you to write the book, How to Say Anything to Anyone? Mm, good question. I was running training for a big mutual fund company when I started thinking about this. And that's my background is leadership development. I ran tra- training in big companies. And I found that the more training we did, the worse people communicated. Managers didn't give feedback. Employees didn't know where they stood at work. And I just became more and more frustrated, and I thought, you know, I'm wasting my time. I'm not making a difference. So I started writing my own tools, and I found that there were lots of really good books on the market around having difficult conversations. I mean, many of you have read a lot of them, difficult conversations, crucial conversations, fierce conversations, dealing with difficult people. Those are all really great books, and they provide great resources for having hard conversations. But I think there's something missing. I think the reason people don't speak up when they have something hard to say is not that they don't have the eight steps and they don't know what to say. It's that they feel like they can't. So I, thought, I think there's a book missing that needed to be written before all those other books and all those management and conflict resolution training programs so my book really could be called The Conversation Before the Crucial Conversation or Conflict Prevention Training. But how to say anything to anyone, the title is a little misleading. It takes me nine chapters, as you know, um, to, Anthony, to get to how to have a hard conversation. Most of the book is really about how do I create conversations where I can say what I want. I found that uh, fascinating because um... – you hit something on the head uh, when uh, you were talking about what the impetus for writing the book. Uh, we really do have communications in the uh, corporate uh, environment, don't we? The calls I get from my clients around the country, you know, I hate to say this, but they all sound really similar. You know, we're not good at communication. Different departments don't know what people are doing. We work in silos. I just don't think it has to be that way. But those problems are not unusual. I... 
I totally agree with you. And one of one of the observations that I've that I've noticed in your book is you bring a wealth of experience dealing with some of the clients that you uh had to do some work for. And what I found fascinating is that people still have trouble communicating. Is it a fear based on your your background and experience? Well, what do you say the reason for that is? Well, here's what people tell me in training, because I always ask, right? I say, you want to have this conversation, you prep it in your head, you have all the words, yet the person's standing in front of you, and we can't do it. And why is that? So I'll ask, right, audiences of hundreds of people, I say, tell me why that is. And they'll say, you know, oh, it's too much conflict, and it's going to make the relationship worse, and it's my boss, and, you know, I'm a nice person. It's not nice, to be honest. And I don't actually think that's what it is. I think the truth is we have been trained not to be honest from when we're little wow. kids. Wow. Like we say what we think when we're little, right? And what does our mom say? That's not nice. Don't say that. Like, you know that phrase, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all? Oh, yes. <laughs> we learn that when we're little. And I think it gets reinforced. And by the time we get to adulthood and we get to work, We've been trained. When we tell people the truth and they don't like it, they kind of freak out. And no one wants to deal with our defensiveness. So I think the reason that we're not more candid at work and more open really in all our relationships is, number one, we've been trained. We've been told it's not a nice thing to do. And then when we do do it, the other person makes it hard for us. Nobody wants to deal with our defensiveness. So the book's really about retraining people to not be so defensive by how you approach people. Do you feel like you're having to change a mindset in a corporate environment? Because obviously every culture, every corporate has a culture. Do you feel like you have to uh, get them to look at something from a different perspective when you go in and talk about what you just said? Because I totally agree with you. I think we, we society makes people not be frank or, or not have candor. And, and what's, your, what's your opinion on that? I think we are retraining people and we are changing a mindset. One of the slides I typically show when I do training, and it's huge font, it says when you tell someone the truth, you do them a favor. And we wow. have it that it's not the case. But I think we don't often have the relationship present to tell the truth. So we feel like we can't say anything. But, yes, to answer your question, I think people really need to change the way they think about this rather than avoid it that you're doing people a favor, but if you don't have enough of a connection with people and can't tell the truth, well, then, you know, it's going to be really hard. You just made me uh, think of something, you know, in my career, and I, I love your background. I, we seem to be kindred spirits. Have you know, I, you know when people are terminated from a job and they really don't know why they're being terminated? Have you experienced that with some of your clients? I know you've seen the movie... Uh, what is that movie with uh, George Clooney? Uh, oh, the couple, yeah. The, uh, Up in the Air. Yeah, yeah. And I swear that was a case study right out of your book because <laughs> they weren't yeah, they weren't being honest of why they were terminating people. Just, you know, when, when you end the relationship and they say, well, your position is no longer available. Well, this, has that been your experience with dealing with clients? Because that's a big problem. I think clients, unfortunately, or companies, rather, I think we lay people off and we eliminate positions when we really want to fire somebody sometimes. Wow. And we haven't done our due diligence. So we haven't given feedback. We haven't coached. We haven't practiced progressive discipline. And then a manager goes to HR and says, well, I really want to cut this person. And HR says, well, you know, have you done what you need to do? The manager mm-hmm. says no. So we eliminate the position or we reorg. I think it's very, very common. And what I would say to someone in that position, like if you're on the phone and you're listening and you've been laid off, I'm not saying that's what happened to you. It may have been a very legitimate layoff of a true downsizing or a true reorg, but it also may not have been. And even if it was a true layoff, you know, companies do have choices when they let people go. So if they laid off 30,000 people or a huge or a whole department or a lot of people, then there may not have been anything pertinent to your performance. But if a company lays off a handful of people, there may have been more to it and something personal. 
And I recommend that people try to find out what that is so that if they've made mistakes, they don't replicate them in their next job. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, terminating people is not as easy as they make it look like on The Apprentice. That That's uh, some psychological warfare that's involved. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of employees in this country are very, very afraid of being fired. And as a result, I think one of the consequences of that fear is we don't speak up. We say, I'm not going to make waves. I'm not going to say what I really think because I'm going to get fired or I'm going to get marginalized. To be honest, I don't think that's true. I think it's very hard to get fired in this country. And for the people listening who are saying, well, I was fired, it's not that hard. Companies are not so you know, casual about firing people because they're afraid of being sued. So Absolutely. I would be less afraid of being fired because you spoke up and more afraid of being fired because you were in the wrong job or maybe were not doing your best work. I always say when you fire an employee, did you really give the employee a chance to do their job? Did you give them a chance to prove themselves? And that goes back to your book. Was the manager candor, was the manager frank with that employee? But, uh, Sherry, we got to take a quick break. This is Game on Business Talk. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Game On Business Talk Radio with Dr. D. Anthony Miles. If you have a question or comment on today's program for Dr. Miles or his guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to GameOnTalkRadio at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, we're back. This is Game On Business Talk with DeAnthony Miles, and we're going to continue our discussion with our guest today, Shari Harley, author of How to Say Anything to Anyone, A Guide to Building Business Relationships that Really Work. And uh, Shari, I wanted to ask you, uh, I, I was looking at Chapter 5, and, I, and it was very fascinating to me. And uh, the title of the chapter is Managing Up with Candor. And that seems to be a new buzzword in the corporate environment, managing people above you. And I wanted to ask you, you had a, you had a statement in the chapter that just really, really resonated with me. Tell me about the person I'm replacing and if the role is new and why was the job created. Could you give me some background on that? Mm, Yeah. So I think one of the things we don't do a great job of as managers is when someone new joins the organization. And I think we assume that that person's going to know what to do. 
they're going to walk in and be awesome. And it just doesn't work that way. I'm fond of something I call name the game, which is really just say whatever has happened in the past, say what you're thinking, say your concerns, say the things other people won't, but set really clear expectations as to what the person needs to do, but also what are they walking into. So tell me about the person I'm replacing. Were they loved or were they loathed? Do I have to recover from mistakes they made or am I going to have to be super sparkly personality-wise because everybody loved that person? You know, what do they get done? What do they not get done? Companies are very slow to add to headcount. They are careful about their cost because the highest cost in any company is headcount. So if, they, if a company adds a position that's new, well, that's a really big deal. So why would that be? Why are we doing it now, not six months ago or six months from now? You know, then I would ask the question, what do I need to get done in the first 30, 60, and 90 days? Now, some of you may be listening saying, well, I shouldn't have to ask my boss any of that. He or she should tell me those things. That's true, but if he or she doesn't, you still need to know. So I'm fond of managing your boss and getting what you need by asking a lot of questions. Oh, so true, so true. And, and another part of Chapter 5 that resonated with me is your job is to make your boss look good. And to piggyback on the last statement that you made, uh, a lot of times in situations, and I know that you've seen this in your consulting work with some of your clients, your boss isn't going to give you a roadmap for success when they bring you in. They expect you to come in and hit the ground running. And if you don't come in and hit the ground running, he looks bad because he's the one that handpicked you. Well, what would you say about that? Well, I think the higher somebody gets in an organization and the more people they manage, the more their compensation is dependent on who they work for. The higher you get, you actually make less of a base salary often, depending on the company's comp structure, and you make more based on bonuses. And bonuses are based on how your people do. So your staff are an extension of you as a manager. If I have six people, you know, they're going to do way more work than me because it's six people, not one. I'm going to get judged based on my staff. So if my staff do great work, I look good as a manager. If my staff does not do great work, I don't look good. Bottom line. So I think some people kind of ricochet when I say your job is to make your manager look good. I don't mean as a suck-up Pollyanna type thing, but your boss is being evaluated based on your work. And when you get direct reports of your own, the same will be true for you. That is really – that is so true. Uh, and I like, I like that chapter, managing up. And is that possible to do with your boss? Can you manage your own boss? I think you maybe talked about that a little bit earlier. Can you elaborate on that more? Yeah. You know, I feel very, very, very strongly about this. If you work long enough and you have a long enough career, you're going to have a boss who's not any good. It's just statistical. Not every manager is a good manager. There are lots of good technical people who get promoted at being good for being good at what they do, but they don't know how to manage people or they don't have the patience, so they don't have the Absolutely. interest, they don't have the time. If you want your career to go well, you cannot wait for your boss to give you the feedback and the recognition you need. You need to go get it. And I think this, is, this kind of flies in the face of what a lot of people naturally think. If your boss doesn't set clear expectations and you don't know precisely what you need to do to be successful, you need to ask. If you don't get regular feedback and you don't know how you're being seen on a regular basis and how you're performing, you need to ask. People who wait for their annual appraisal or who never get it, or get an appraisal and it's vague, and they just get frustrated, don't get frustrated. Ask really specific questions. What do you need oh my from me? Goodness. What kind of data do you want from me? How often? In what format? How much detail? How would you rate this kind of work? If my appraisal was today, what kind of rating would you give me? Don't work in the dark. If you do, that's not your manager's fault. It's our responsibility as the employee. Wow, that is really mind-blowing because I've seen people, and this actually happened to me in my career, they never tell you anything dur uh, during the year, and then you go, you go to the death sentence, which is your appraisal, and then this guy is bringing up or writing, you know, they have written notes about things that you screwed up on and never said anything to you. And I didn't know if they were using the appraisal system to – not give you a raise or to screw you out of a raise, but it, do you think that's another component of it? Not being, not uh, being, not uh, having a candor with an employee that's not 
performing up to their uh, to the manager's expectations? Do you? I mean, I they have, have, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I don't think any of that's malicious. You know, sometimes I think it's, we think it's malicious, like my boss stuck it to me. I don't. I, I give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think people at all levels do the best they can. I think we do what we know to do. And if a manager doesn't give feedback, either they're not close enough to the employee and they genuinely don't know what the employee's doing, which is common, or they don't have time, you know, or they're just not good at it or they're not comfortable. I think it's any of those things. And the, the appraisal process can be incredibly demoralizing to people. I mean, honestly, most of what's in that book are the mistakes I've made at work and how I've recovered and the techniques and practices I've created after making mistakes at work. So I've had appraisals where I walked out thinking, I'm quitting. And it was a good appraisal. And I'm a type A, tightly wound person. I was always a good employee. I'm a workaholic. I always had great reviews, but there was always something in there that felt new or unfair. You know, but once I get over being defensive and I give myself time to think about that appraisal, there are things I could have done differently. You know, I could have asked for more feedback. I could have insisted on written goals. You know it always comes back to what can I do differently? Because for everybody on the phone, we can't change your manager. We can't change your company. We can't change anything but how you approach things. So if you see as everything is your responsibility, getting more feedback, knowing expectations, pushing it when your boss says you're doing great and then slams you on an appraisal, you'll get more of what you want and less of what you don't. But the, the employee appraisal process, in my opinion, is quite flawed and is demoralizing Absolutely. to most people. Yeah, oh, it's, it's I couldn't panic. agree more with you. It's 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 very archaic and it's really uh, it's really uh, somewhat of anachronism because we're moving toward a uh, non-manufacturing sector here in the United States, and we still have people doing appraisals, which basically gives you the general call words that he show up to work on time. Not did the guy produce anything while he was there, but if he showed to, showed up to work on time, and I I find that fascinating that they still have those type of appraisals and most of those appraisals, I don't know if you've seen this in your uh, career, they have those set code words or those set uh, statements and a manager really doesn't have to think about what that particular employee does. And I think they're doing a disservice because like you said, I think uh, uh, feedback has to be a 24 seven kind of thing. Some days you're up, some days you're down. But not to know anything, I think it's the death star of somebody's career. What do you think about that? Well, for sure. You know, I'm sure some of our listeners are sitting here thinking, well, my boss is not candid, and he or she doesn't give feedback, and what do you want me to do? Because I've asked, and I haven't gotten it. My hunch is we've got to have people listening saying that. And here's what I would say to that. If you work for somebody who's not forthcoming, go to somebody else. Now, I don't mean go above your boss. Right? Don't go to your boss's boss and say, you know, my boss doesn't give you feedback. It's not helpful to me. I don't mean that. Pick a couple people in your life, personal or professional, doesn't matter, who know your performance. They watch you work. They sit in meetings with you. They hear you on your phone. They watch what you wear. These are all your buddies. These are your peers. Or even your friends from high school or college or your mom. And just ask them questions. You know, say, what do you think I'm like to work with? What's the first impression I make? What, what, impression does my clothing make? Where have I disappointed you? How have I exceeded your expectations? People will say, you know, I'm a different person at home than I am at work. That's not really true. We're always (laughs) late at work. We're late at home. If we wear outfits that are not our friends, we do that at work and at home. And if you give your family and friends permission to tell you, they'll tell you, but you have to ask. Oh, my goodness. You've got to scare some of these people to listen to this show. Wow. Goodness. goodness. <laughs> you know, people do tell me that. You know, like, I'm from New Jersey originally. Okay, I live in Colorado now because I hate humidity, and I'm uh-huh. afraid of it. But I'm from New Jersey. So people will say to me, well, this is easy for you. You know, you speak New Jersey. You're assertive or direct. This uh-huh. is not easy for me. This is hard for me. But it's way better than being blindsided in an appraisal and being upset. I I find that just in my career, really, some people don't want to know the truth. They want to live in a somewhat of a Disney World existence. It's not good until I think it's good, but and that's and that's really I would say self-absorbed because you're not going to be on every day. You're going to work, and you're not going to mystify people every day. And being having candor 
kind of eliminates people from being who they think they are because how you see yourself and how your coworkers see you is truly different perceptions. Is that correct? Correct. I think that's why mirrors exist, right? Like the analogy I always give is you go, you go shopping, and I think more women may relate to this than men. Go shopping, you buy an outfit you think looks awesome. You, keep, you start wearing it, and then you see a picture of yourself in it, and you think, oh, my, that has to go. You know, so other people really are our mirror. Now, a couple of suggestions for people who are sitting here thinking, that's not realistic, I can't ask for feedback, no one will tell me, I'll have a heart attack. First thing is this. Don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. And only do this when you're in a good place, right? Like, I ask for feedback when I'm in a happy place, when I'm rested, when I'm not freaked out, when I'm not stressed out, when I'm not tired. I ask when I'm in a place to receive and listen, and I only ask people who I know love me and have my back because they care about me and they will tread gingerly. I don't ask people who hate me or have an axe to grind. Don't do that to yourself. So if you feel ready to do this and you want to eliminate some of your blind spots, meaning you want to know a little more about how you're seen and perceived, ask one or two people one or two questions. And the language in the book, it's in the first three chapters, is, so it goes like this. You know, I, I'm trying to eliminate my blind spots. I really want to know the impression I'm creating. I know it can be hard to give feedback. I promise you I'm going to make this really easy. I'm not going to get defensive. I'm going to say thank you no matter what you say. I genuinely want to know what you think, and I'll be grateful for anything you're willing to tell me. So you have to, that process of people being afraid to give feedback, that applies to your friends and family too. They don't want to deal with your defensiveness. So you need to t- retrain them to tell you the truth and tell them there will be no consequence. I will not freak out. I will not give you silent treatment. I will not get nasty. But then you actually have to take it in stride, which is very hard to do. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're going to need to take our uh, second break, and we'll be right back. This is Game on Business Talk with DeAnthony Miles. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Game On Business Talk Radio with Dr. D. Anthony Miles. If you have a question or comment on today's program for Dr. Miles or his guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to GameOnTalkRadio at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, we're back. This is Game On Business Talk with Jeanthe Miles. We're going to continue our discussion with Sherry Harley author of How to Say Anything to Anyone, A Guide to Building Business Relationships that Really Work. Shari, I wanted to ask you, I, w- I was really fascinated with another chapter. Uh, it was uh, Chapter 7, uh, Relationships Require Maintenance. And one of the statements that you, gave, that you give in a book is, you can be fired and never know it. And I want you to elaborate on that because that really stood out to me. That was like a red flag. Mm. Okay, I'll give listeners an example. So I got a phone call from a call center, and the person who called me said, we want you to come in and train our phone reps how to do training. 
because my phone reps are going to take over customer service training for new hire call center reps. And I know this company really well. They have a big training department. And I said, help me understand, why are you calling me and why are you having your phone reps do training? You have a training department. And the manager said to me, well, my boss doesn't think the training department is any good, and she thinks we can do it better ourselves. And that happens all the time. I mean, think about you. If you don't like the answer you get from purchasing or IT doesn't make time for you or marketing doesn't do good work, we go around people. Everybody knows the people in a company who either aren't any good, aren't helpful, you know, are difficult, are crazy makers. You work around those people. And what I tell the people I work with, you know, in the corporations around the country is I don't want that to be you. I don't want you to be worked around and not know it because it will be the end of your career in that company. Wow. <laughs> Kid, it's, it's like you can't believe we spent all of this money hiring and training people and we still fall short of communication. That's what, that's what I find fascinating. I mean, it's, it, you can be fired and never know it. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness! Also, I like the, the chick. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, that's why it's surprising to me that people are so afraid of being fired. Because, like, look around your company, right? For everybody listening, look around your company. Think of the people that if you could cut them, you would cut them. I bet you could make a list of three to five people in two seconds that if you could fire them, you'd fire them, and yet they're still there. So be less nervous. <laughs> Yo, oh, trust me. Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> That'd probably be the understatement of the year. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, something, I, I remember seeing a clip on a movie, and I, this guy said he knew he, he was going to get fired because when he got on the elevator, people saw him and got off. And I, is that kind of what you mean with that particular statement out of the chapter? You, oh, it, the, the end is imminent? Is that what you mean? <laughs> I worked with a guy who one of his buddies called him at work, and said, hey, are you still there? And his friend said, yeah, what do you mean? He said, I saw your job posted on CareerBuilder. Ouch. That's how this guy found out he was going to get cut, because the company was hiring his replacement before they cut him because they didn't want to have a gap. That's oh, actually not that's... unusual. Wow. Oh, wow. Goodness, goodness, goodness. So, you know, I'll throw it back to the listeners is, yeah, that's a travesty, and it shouldn't happen, but it happens all the time. So make it easy to tell you the truth. Don't let that happen to you. Ask for feedback. Promise you'll take it graciously. Say thank you, even if you want to freak out in the moment. And if you don't get the feedback you need, ask somebody else. But you need to take control of your career. Absolutely. And I think you've raised an interesting point because really – if you have people working for you and you don't tell them the truth, it's it's more long-term damage than what you think because if you don't tell people what they're not doing right or what they're not doing wrong or whatever the case may be, then that does not make a bad reflection on you as a manager and a leader because you didn't you didn't you didn't give the person the tools to be successful because you never had the come to Jesus meeting with them. How do you feel about that? I think it certainly doesn't reflect well on a manager. You know, I think the managers who people really want to work for and will work hard to get on their team are the people who are both good to work for because they give opportunities, they create challenges, but they're also honest with their employees. Like, as hard as it is to hear you're not cutting it and nobody wants to hear it, people do genuinely want to know. So I would say to the managers on the phone, being a good manager requires courage and some time, right? Those two things. And if you're having a hard time giving your employees feedback, here's where I would start. I'd say to your employees as a manager, hey, listen, my job as your manager is to help you get where you want to go in your career. And that may be here at this company, and it may not be, and that's okay. As a result, I'm going to be giving you feedback. Because if I don't give you candid, regular feedback, I'm not useful to you. Some of that feedback is going to be positive, and some of it's not. But I want you to know that if I give you feedback that's negative, it's always because I have your back. It's never to criticize or judge you or make you feel small. It's because if I'm not honest, I'm not helpful. So please take my feedback in the spirit it's intended. I don't think most managers start their relationships like that. So when a hard situation comes up, it's very difficult to speak up. 
So I suggest everybody who's listening goes backwards and go back and say that to your employees. Hey, listen, I haven't been giving you enough feedback. I know I need to give you more to be helpful to you. I'm going to give you more. Here's why. It's not because you're not doing great work. No, that's an excellent point. And I was going to say, do you, and I'm not sure uh, if you have at-will employment uh, legislation yeah. in the state where you live. And I think at-will employment kind of circumvents that because it's like, oh, well, I can just let this person go and I don't have to be clear with them. So that leaves me, I, that gets me off the hook. I mean, how do you feel about that? At-will employment, you know, has been around a long time, and it's true in most states. You know, this thing of I have a, have a job for life and I have a contract, that just doesn't really exist anymore. People Absolutely. can cut you at any time, but we can cut them too. Employment's a two-way street. You can say to your company, like the same way a company can cut you, we can go to our company and say, I don't want to work here anymore, and today's my last day. If employment wasn't at will, we wouldn't get to do that either. Oh, Absolutely. So it's a double-edged sword. I mean, how do you feel about exit interviews? Because I think those are missed opportunities with companies asking why the employee is leaving, if that's the case. And I don't know why, because I think your book just lays that out. Why don't more companies have exit interviews to, so everybody can be clear about what the reasons are? How do you feel about that? I would prefer that exit interviews are done regularly way before an employee decides to leave. So we wait until it's too late to make a difference with that person, and then we don't trust what they say in an exit interview because they're sour and they're leaving. I would say if you do exit interviews, keep doing them. Many employees are not honest because they're afraid it'll come back to bite them later and they won't get a good reference. I would prefer companies back up that process and a couple times a year, Reach out to maybe 10% of your population, and maybe it's random, different levels, different titles, and just ask the questions that you ask in an exit interview so that you're not surprised by unnecessary turnover. I think that's an excellent point. I couldn't agree more with that. Shari, I want to ask you, in one of the, another great chapter that I, that I found fascinating is uh, chapter eight is, uh, can I trust you? And you make a statement in there and you say, uh, relationship killer number four, withholding information. Can you elaborate on that? Mm, yeah. I think companies need to trust their employees more. And there's a lot of research on what makes an employee stay with a company and stay engaged doing their best work. And one of those things is leadership transparency. You know, do I know what's really happening in our company financially? Do I know how we make money? Do I know what customers we're bringing in and who's fired us? Do I know the feedback we're getting in the business community? Employees really want to know. Like, they want to know how's the company doing. And sometimes I think leadership either doesn't think employees care or doesn't think it's appropriate to share that information. I think that's a missed opportunity. The more you share with your employees about what's really happening in the business, the more committed and loyal they'll be. I find that fascinating that um, obviously for, I guess, for uh, security reasons, you can't be transparent with some things. But right. do, you, do you just think that withholding information is somewhat of a, a management philosophy that's probably outdated, you know, the us yeah. and them, if it's not a unionized company? Because if it's us and them, I'm only going to give you information on a as to need, as um as as needed basis as opposed to someone that really needs information and i i, I recall doing a uh doing a uh, show on workplace bullying and i find a lot of correlation to this uh strategically withholding information and using information like kind of the jerry hoover thing i'm going to use information at the opportune time to bring the demise of someone who i feel is a competitor and I think that's uh, you raise an interesting point in terms of withholding information. It doesn't help withholding information. Is that the gist of what you're saying? I don't think it's that malicious. I don't think most leaders are malicious. I think it's more of either an oversight or a lack of time, or probably really more so is you know we're on a need to know basis. Not everybody needs to know. So I think I don't think it's any conspiracy. You know, I, I give people the benefit of the doubt. But I do think that managers and leaders need to consider that sharing some information 
with a wider audience would actually give them a return on their investment. Now, you can't talk about performance, you know, individual performance, people's performance for sure. You don't want to talk about mergers and acquisitions before it's appropriate or an IPO. But I think, you know, if we, people really looked at the stuff they don't share, the information they don't share, I think there's actually very little of it that would be inappropriate to share. Oh, goodness. You know, you're going to scare a lot of managers with this show today. <laughs> <laughs> I think managers well, want more data, too. You know, you know, the keeper of the data is often the, the C-suite. And people at a manager, director, assistant vice president level, vice president, they're often not in on the no either. They want to know too. So, you know, I think for leaders, what I would suggest for anyone who's listening to this going, that's unrealistic or that's scary or that would never work here, try one little thing. You know, have one town hall meeting, one, one quarter, and give some financial data that you think is appropriate. Take employee questions and see what kind of feedback you get after the meeting and then decide if you want to do it again. Oh, I'm fond of ta- try one small thing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to need to take our last break. Uh, this is Game On Business Talk with DeAnthony Miles. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Game On Business Talk Radio with Dr. D. Anthony Miles. If you have a question or comment on today's program for Dr. Miles or his guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to GameOnTalkRadio at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, we're back. This is Game On Business Talk with DeAnthony Miles, and we have our guest, author, Shari Harley. How to Say Anything to Anyone, A Guide to Building Business Relationships that Really Work. And Shari, I wanted to ask you, you had a, I was looking at Chapter 13, and I want to tell you, I saw Joe Friday on this one. You have a (laughs) statement that says, remove the emotion and deal with the facts. How you feel makes no difference. Can you give me some uh, feedback on that? That is, like, awesome. Yeah, it's funny. So sometimes when people teach how to give feedback, they'll say, you know, Mention how you feel. So you could say to your coworker, you know, I'm really frustrated or I can't believe we're having this conversation again or I'm so disappointed in you. All that is is a judgment, and it's going to make the person feel defensive. And when the other person feels defensive, they stop listening, which means your conversation might as well be over. So when you give someone feedback, just focus on what happened and the impact for you. So, for example, you told me you'd have this on Friday, it's Friday. I don't have it. 
that makes me feel I can't trust you. Now, that's okay to say, right? That's the impact on you. But you're not judging the person, right? You're saying, you did this, and this is how it impacted me. But there's no judgment involved. It's just the facts. So that's the first thing with emotion is leave that part out. The other thing is this. Everybody gets defensive when they get feedback. If you get negative feedback in any way, shape, or form, and you don't get defensive, I would say there's actually something wrong with you. You're not being human. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> well, like, who wants to do a bad job, right? Like, does anybody listening want to do a bad job? Nobody wants to do a bad job. Even the people you think in your office who are terrible, they don't want to do a bad job. So when somebody says you're doing a bad job, our brain freaks out a little bit. And that's how we're wired. It's an act of self-preservation. It's kind of like if you're driving and you hit the, the person in front of you hits their brakes and stops short, unless you're texting, you're going to hit your brakes too. So it's just a reflex, and so is getting defensive. So everybody is different when they get defensive. Some people yell, and some people turn red, and some people leave the room, and some people cry. The problem with the emotion, it's not that you can't bring your emotion to work. The problem is other people don't know how to deal with your emotion, and they're afraid of it. So because of that, they'll avoid giving you feedback if they know you get emotional. If they avoid giving you feedback, you're, now not lo- you're no longer running your career. You're in the dark, which we've been talking about. Do you uh, think that's a, uh, that's a trend, people just giving the facts, or that's something that they have to learn? Because you back that uh, statement up with another, another uh, powerful statement. If you're really worried about their feelings, you'll be direct. And I thought, I mean, that just stopped me cold in my tracks. Huh. Really, do people real? Can people handle the truth? Because I know some people want hear know the truth, and some people can't handle the truth. And the what you talk about with facts and emotions is just really resonated with me. That part of the book. How do you feel I'll about give you that? An example. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll give you an example. So I was on the phone with an HR manager this morning. Her company asked me to make a video for them to give to all their managers via their intranet site on how to give hard feedback. So I said, okay, I'm going to show people via the video how to give hard feedback. Send me some examples as to what you want me to cover. Like, what issues are you having in the workplace that you want me to teach? So she sends me this list, right? And everything on it was super vague. Well, we want you to address lack of teamwork and bad communication and bad attitude. Now, none of that is feedback. I call that Captain Crunch, right? It's sweet and delicious, has no nutrients. (laughs) There's no data there. So your question was being specific, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So do people want to know the truth? So here's the thing. Most of the feedback we get I'll call garbage. We'll say, you know, I just think you were really inappropriate in that meeting or you're dressing inappropriately. That's not feedback. The person's going to go, well, what do you mean? I'm not inappropriate. What does that mean to you? Inappropriate means different things to different people. You haven't actually given any feedback yet. All you've done is throw out this vague term that's going to result in someone's defensiveness because they can't get their arms around inappropriate. It doesn't mean anything. So you have to say, well, you walked into the meeting late. Then you said you asked someone to start the meeting over because you missed up. You wanted a refresher. Then you whipped out your phone and you sent an email, which was inappropriate in the meeting. So you can say the word inappropriate, but you have to give the behavior of what the person did. For the most part, we don't do that with feedback. We're very vague. And then we're surprised that someone's defensive and doesn't change their behavior. Well, don't be surprised. You're not going to see any behavior change when you're that vague. That is so true. That's like a manager coming into a sales meeting and telling his team, we need to get sales up 5%, but he doesn't develop a strategy or tactic how to do that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's a good example. Wow. Yeah, people, people are doing the best they can. I just, you know, I believe that. If you want them to do something different, you need to tell them what to do. So in chapters 9, 10, and 11 of the book, I talk about feedback. And it's one of those chapters. I think it's chapter 10. I give a feedback formula. It's eight steps. And steps 6 and 7 are, here's my suggestion of what you should do next. Step 7 is, are you willing to do that? So most feedback stops at what I call step 4, we say, here's what happened, here was the impact, no, go forth and do it differently. Well, if they knew what to do, they would have already done it. You need to give them an option or help them find one. And for the most part, we don't do that. So feedback is also a little bit of coaching. Right? Like you say to someone, that outfit's not your friend. 
Well, tell them what to do. You know, buy something that fits better, and it's too short, or it's too long, or it's too tight, and that color is not your friend. Sherry, you, you're going to get a lot of husbands in trouble. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to get a lot of husbands in trouble because they're going to listen to you on the show. They're going to go implement this, and you, they're going to get their heads handed to them. <laughs> well, I think, let's say your wife says, you look. Fa- do I look fat in these pants, right? Everyone knows this joke. Do I look fat in these pants? You know, maybe an appropriate answer would be, you know, I think we should go shopping and try a bunch of things on, and let's look at it together and talk about what looks good on you. You know, not, yeah, you look fat in these pants. Because even if she knows you're right, she's going to get defensive. Nobody wants to be told she looks fat in those pants. Plus, here's the thing. She already knows she looks fat in those pants, or she wouldn't have asked. Goodness. Oh, now, my now goodness. We're on a <laughs> you are terrible. <laughs> I do love this topic, though. My favorite thing is telling someone either that they smell or that they have cleavage showing at work. I demo that every time I teach this for every company. And everybody gasps. But here's why. A, there is someone violating those guidelines. And B, if you can tell someone that, you can say anything. But you got to have the rapport or that would damage your relationship and they'll hate you forever. you got to have the relationship present. <laughs> I, so if I just offended anybody, I apologize. <laughs> I had a really quick question because we're getting ready to close. And I just want you to – I think this is just an awesome book. I want to ask you, do you think uh, – feedback is uh how people take it in terms of gender you think women are more sensitive than males or vice versa because i think you have a lot of sensitive males and they mask their uh sensitivity through anger and not necessarily you know if you hurt their feelings they don't come out and say you hurt their feelings so they manifest that in a different way do you think uh giving negative feedback affects people by gender do you think that that's the case i don't i agree with you I think men and women are both equally sensitive, and the way they get defensive looks a little different. But the men I give feedback to often are just as upset as women. I think there's no difference. I think it's a human thing. Oh, awesome. Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank you, Shari Harley, for being part of our show. And you need to pick up her book. How to Say Anything to Anyone, A Guide to Building Business Relationships that Really Work. And I want to thank you so much for being part of our show today. I hope my listeners get their money's worth today, and I hope your sales quadruple on Amazon.com because <laughs> this is an awesome book. Thank you so much, Shari. Uh, thank you for having me. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. I'm going to leave us with a quote for the week, and I think you'll find this uh, pretty appropriate. Never ask a barber if you need a haircut. Warren Buffett. Well, I'm out of here. Thank you so much for joining Game on Business Talk today. I'm DeAnthony Miles, and we will see you next week. Have an awesome week. Thank you again for listening to Game on Business Talk Radio. Please join your host, Dr. DeAnthony Miles, again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll engage in more unique and exciting discussion topics then.